Welcome to SciFar's Point 2 LME Nation podcast. On today's episode, food for thought for food and beverage employers, talent shortages, and pay equity issues, Rob Siba and Christy Ayakapeta discuss a variety of ways that pay equity issues have been implicated as the industry has evolved. Enjoy. We are here today to talk about the food and beverage industry and certain pay equity issues that have popped up, especially in 2021, in terms of things like labor shortages, supply chain issues, as well as now more recently, a new strain of the COVID virus. So we're here today with my colleague, Christy Iacopetta, who is resident in our New York office and has a robust practice on pay equity issues. And myself, Rob Sibba, who is a partner at Cypharth's New York office and as well deals with a lot of food and beverage issues, pay equity issues and other employment issues overall. Hi, Christy. Hi. So, Christy, we were talking amongst ourselves in preparation for this conversation about how in recent days and weeks, we've seen a lot in the news about things like the great resignation, things like supply chain issues. And especially in light of the retail season, there seems to be a lot of basically crunch for employers, especially in the food and beverage industry, who are competing with retail and with a lot of other sectors for talent. And it's grown into a dynamic where a lot of employers are having to necessarily be very creative as far as the solutions that they come up with to retain talent as well as to attract talent. One of the things that struck me initially was that as we hire new employees and having to compete in this dynamic, a lot of employers are coming up with creative ways of attracting talent via compensation, and it's resulting in increased hourly rates, bonuses, and a host of other compensation-related kickers and sweeteners that weren't really at play or as much at play up till recent years. How have you seen that play out? Yeah, so it's definitely a, a big issue that we're seeing recently, and it can cause a lot of unintended consequences where you know you think you're doing the right thing and you're doing what you need to do to keep your business going and keep it afloat to get the employees that you need to succeed. But paying them a higher hourly wage rate, a sign-on bonus, potentially a retention bonus, things like that, you have to also think about the consequences. What comes with that? What is that doing in terms of kicking off your internal equity balance? So there's a, a concept called compression, where one aspect of that is if you are bringing in new employees, new hires at a higher rate because of whether it's you know, you have to do that to get them or it's because of the market rate that can cause an issue internally where your longer tenured employees are now making less than your new employees. And that can cause pay equity issues. It can also cause employee relations issues as well. So, Christy, let me let me make sure that we're on the same page. So what you're saying, if I hear you correctly, is as you have a workforce that has been with you for multiple years and, and what we see a lot with compensation is increases in compensation by, based on years of service or tenure, despite all those increases over time, if you bring in somebody, let's say now into a position, obviously common sense, if you just straight out pay them more, they'll be making more. But what you're saying is over time is it's sort of like the employees who started the race earlier can't keep up compensation wise with the employees that are coming into the race and into the workforce at a later point in time. And that's exacerbating these pay equity issues. Is that what yep. I'm hearing? Yeah, that's exactly right. And another 
part of this whole kind of the way the industry is nowadays that's causing that as well is the fact that a lot of companies are not having increases at all. So even though, you know, your employees may have increases over time if because of COVID or other reasons, you're not giving them increases at all. That exacerbates that as well because you're bringing in new employees at a higher rate and your current employees are either not increasing or they're increasing at a slower rate and it's causing pay equity issues and, you know, internal issues, morale issues as well. How have you seen that play out with employees that are being hired in the first instance? Well, let's say you have several candidates within the same month and they're all, you're trying to attract all of them. How has that been playing out for, for a lot of employers? You mean in terms of? Different compensation levels. I mean, the, the dynamic seems to be now where everybody's negotiating a different salary or the factual circumstances might change within a couple of weeks. How has that played out in your experience? It's making everything harder. Uh, right. You know, if, if one of your reasons why one employee is earning more than another is because the market was different at that time and we were required to pay a higher rate to bring them in at that time. If that's changing every week, it's a lot harder to keep track of, especially years down the line when you're doing a pay equity analysis and you say, you know, why are the females earning more than the males? It's a lot harder to track that, say, the market at that point when we hired some of these newer males was requiring us to pay more than others. Do you have any greater concerns with employees that are working for an organization that has a lower turnover rate versus a higher turnover rate? In other words, if you have an organization that has a higher turnover rate, is there more ability for like market correction? And, you know, we may be paying higher salaries now, but does it really matter because everybody's going to quit in six months and we'll be back to normal? Yeah, it, it depends. It depends on on the company. It depends on your budget. There are certain things that you can do or even if you don't have high turnover to kind of account for the fact that nowadays we had to pay higher is things like doing pay equity analyses to determine if compression is an issue. If you have pay equity issues, you can give increases or adjustments to employees who are longer tenured to kind of bring them up to where we are now. The flip side of that, to your point, is if you have high turnover, if the employees that we are paying high rates now are leaving the company, then we kind of have a reset, um, you know, if the industry goes back down to a lower rate at some point to kind of bring our, our rates back down. But you always have the few kind of outstanding, even if you have high turnover, you have the still, you know, few people that may stay long term that can cause issues in terms of equity. Well, let me ask you this, because we're talking about compensation as a broad concept, but. What about different forms of compensation? Do you have any greater concern with regard to differences in hourly rate as compared to differences in annual salary as compared to we're going to give a higher salary versus just a one-time bonus to get around the issue of pay equity because you have the same salary. We just gave you a, you know, X thousand dollar bonus as opposed to a no thousand dollar bonus. Do you have any concern about the different types of tools that are being utilized? Yeah, definitely. I think some are a little bit safer than others. Some are more appealing to companies than others are. For example, if you're giving a one-time bonus, it's for your bottom line a lot easier. It's not a, a recurring payment that you're paying time and time again, but you do have to look at total compensation. So if one employee is getting a sign-on bonus or a retention bonus and another is not, that can cause equity issues. You also have to think about not only is one employee getting a bonus or whatever the additional forms of compensation we decide to give are, but what are the amounts of those bonuses, right? Not everyone's going to get the same amount, and that also can cause issues internally as well. What about geography? Does that play a role in your analysis? I mean, it sounds to me like certain markets, especially some of the more densely populated areas of the country, might have a different set of considerations than somewhere that's not as densely populated, or for example, the coast versus somewhere that's a little bit more landlocked. Also, 
urban versus suburban versus rural. I mean, it strikes me that somebody that's working in New York or San Francisco is going to be operating at a much different salary level or compensation level than someone in the Midwest. Do you have any concerns if somebody is, let's say you have a warehouse worker who is in New Jersey versus a warehouse worker who's in Wyoming? Obviously, there's going to be some pay disparity because of the geography and the costs of living. But how does that factor into your analysis with these issues that we're talking about? Yeah. So when we're looking at a pay equity analysis, you're looking basically to see if there are legitimate reasons for the differences in pay that you're seeing. And one of those legitimate reasons could be a difference in their geography, right? You see it um, in all different kinds of industries where you have to pay more in, in a certain area. And again, at the bottom line, when you're looking at equity issues, it's is the difference based on race, gender or, or protected category, or are there other explanations that are legitimate for it? And geography can be one of those factors. So when we talk about the analysis, you often see regression analyses that we run, which can control for and account for other factors that impact pay. And you look to see at the end of the day, is race or gender or any other protected category one of those factors that's impacting pay or the difference in pay that you're seeing? In my experience, at least, I've found that a lot of industries and a lot of companies are doing these types of analyses on the back end. Worth talking about how do we use this type of information and the fact that we're seeing these issues on the front end, how might we use this to impact our hiring decisions or our recruitment decisions now? That's a difficult question. <laughs> There's a number of different things that you can do. Number one is you have to know if this is affecting you at all. So what a lot of companies are doing are doing analyses to see, are we seeing compression issues where longer term employees are earning less than newer employees? Or another form of compression could be where a lower level employee is earning almost the same amount as their supervisor. So doing that initial analysis to see, is this affecting you? Are the decisions that you're making to obtain and, and retain employees, is it affecting you in a negative way? So that's, you know, again, kind of on the back end of how we can control for this, you know, and, and account for it. But it's really about stopping to take the time to think about the decisions that you're making. So we've been talking about this for a few minutes and we've brought up the fact that this might be a huge impact on morale. Besides morale between the various enforcement agencies and private lawsuits, what do you think are some of the big risk factors or, or the critical risk factors in basically getting it wrong? If this does spin out of control and create inequities, mm -hmm. where's the Achilles heel here? Yeah, I mean, anyone who reads the newspaper or listens to the news nowadays knows pay equity is all the rage. It's all over the news, whether it's an individual lawsuit, a class claim. There are agencies like the EEOC or the OFCCP for federal contractors that all you know have jurisdiction over pay equity claims. And it can end up costing a lot of money. Some companies look and say, hey, you know, we don't have the budget to do a pay equity analysis, but you have to think about the costs that can come with a litigation potential you know, outcome of that litigation as well. Well, this has been really, really helpful and really informative because as I think about a lot of the clients that are operating in this space, especially whether it's manufacturers, people that are working in food service at all levels, this seems to be hitting that industry quite hard and quite unexpectedly, especially in, in light of all these shortages and things. This has been really incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. I look forward to talking further about these issues as we see them develop over the next couple of months. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks so much. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of SciFar's Point 2 LME Nation podcast. 